0: All right, well, good morning once again. Um, all right, I, I'm going to keep this uh, pretty brief just because we've already had a substantial church service. And really, you can't, I can't compete with the cuteness of Zeph. So <laughs> we'll just kind of get through this as fast as possible and we'll get me off the stage. Um, let me pray for us. I'm speaking on a kind of a weird subject uh, just based on where we're at this week, just historically and everything that's going on. But hopefully by the end, it will make sense, so uh, I ask in the beginning, you give me grace, and then towards the end, I'll do like a M. Night Shyamalan twist on you, and then you'll see what was happening the whole time, hopefully. Um, so let me, let me pray for us, and then we'll get started. Lord, I, oh, I'm so grateful for Sundays like this. What a full, awesome day. Um, Lord, I thank you uh, that we were able to do a wedding this summer, Time Victoria back. I thank you that we're able to dedicate little Zephaniah, like. These are signs of life and really cool steps for our church, Um, and just a beautiful, beautiful thing. So I I thank you for what you're doing in this community and how this is moving forward, and I can't wait to see what you're going to do next. As we talk about restoration this morning, Lord, I pray that you'd be with us uh, and you'd show us why rest is just so key in our lives, um, especially as we're coming to the end of the summer. Amen. Uh, So as most of you know, I've I've been away for uh, almost two weeks. And I humbled myself in front of you guys the last time I was up here and told you why I was away, which is that I watched Ratatouille and booked a flight in the middle of the night. Uh, and you gave me a lot of grace, so thank you for that. Um, but as I was leaving last week, I knew what we were going to be talking about this morning. Uh, we do sort of have a plan here at Resonate. <laughs> so I had, I had restoration in my mind, and I was, I was doing sort of something very sneaky where I knew that I was gonna be resting for two weeks, so why not eat a bunch of cheese and carbs and then come back and tell you all about how I've been resting. Um, But I found out very, very quickly that that was not what was really gonna be able to happen. Um, One reason is because I flew WOW Air, (laughs) and that was not restful. I literally uh, (laughs) fell asleep in the seat weird and couldn't feel my left ear for a week. Um, The other reason is just so much stuff kept happening. We had like, a lot of layovers and every time I would check my phone, it seemed that there was another notification of something awful that was just going on in the world. Just like hit after hit after hit. And so I began to panic uh, on my vacation about what I'm going to be sharing with because I can't possibly mix restoration in with what's going on. So I begin thinking and racking my brain like it's not gonna work. I'm gonna have to choose something different. I don't wanna just do this because of that. And then I realized I'm not really resting, am I? <laughs> I was thinking all the time. I was on a boat, and I was thinking about you guys. You should feel very weirded out. <laughs> um, but I kept thinking, what, what am I going to do? How am I going to share this? Uh, and then it occurred to me that rest may be the most important thing to actually talk about in a time like this. Uh, rest and restoration is exactly what Jesus is all about. It's exactly what God is all about. And we need restoration in times like this. We need times of rest. Many of you have been on trips this summer, I know. Um, and have you ever been like so tired from vacation that you need a vacation? I woke up at four in the morning this morning, so it's like three in the afternoon for me. So I'm good right now, I'll crash in an hour. Um, but there's that feeling of like when you're on vacation and when you, uh, you, you have only so many dates, right? It's the same feeling as like when you're at work you know that there are deadlines, and so you work really, 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 really hard to get all that stuff done, you feel that pressure, and when we have times of rest and breaks, we're supposed to be able to use those times to not think about pressure or deadlines. But if you're anything like me, and you have a, TripAdvisor or a Yelp account, like it doesn't become very restful when you know there are 300 options out there to experience and you only have a couple days to do it. I found myself just going, like, well, we gotta do this, and we gotta pack this in, we gotta pack this in, we gotta pack this in, and I realized I was working the same way to achieve something that I was in a time that I was supposed to be resting. As hard as I'm working for some other sort of a deadline, it's just a different kind of pressure. We are like just We are paralyzed with FOMO in our world, and push notifications don't help. Every time I would see one of those things, it was like, oh, I just got to keep catching up. I got to keep catching up. And it wasn't true. So as nerdy as I am, I actually began uh, reading on rest. So I went to my Kindle and I found some books on how to rest, <laughs> because I wasn't doing a very good job of it. So I found a book um, by uh, Rabbi Abraham Herschel called Sabbath, which is fantastic, and you guys should read that. And then another one by Walter Brueggemann called Sabbath as Resistance. Uh, and as I read these books, a major theme began to arise. And that was that there is a real difference between rest and restoration. So there's a real difference between us cramming in a bunch of things on our time off and feeling stressed and worried than there is with setting aside real time, real deal time to truly restore and rejuvenate and live. And that's not just something that's like seven easy steps to change your life. That's in the Bible. We are created in God's image. And so if we look at Genesis, which is the very first book in the Bible, uh, we see that there are six days of creation, so six poetic movements of creation, um, and on the seventh day, God literally rests. And I've always been baffled with that. Why did they have to put that in there? Like, it doesn't really make sense. God is this all-knowing, all-powerful being. He really shouldn't have to rest, but I don't think that's in there for God. I think that's really in there for us, because we are created in his image, and what that means, if we really look at it, is that to rest is to know God. To rest is to be like God. One of the coolest lines in scripture is out of Psalm 4610, and it says, be still and know that I am God. And that kept coming up. Um, and this is what I tend to do as I'm prepping for a sermon. I tend to over-read and over-analyze and overdo stuff and cram so much in. And then at the end of it, I'm like, I don't need any of this. <laughs> uh, I did find out something rather nerdy, by the way. Be still is said seven times in the Bible. And then do not fear, is said 365 times in the Bible. So I was like, maybe this is some Da Vinci Code-esque way of telling us we should all be cool for 365 days and just rest all the time. And I had a divine word from God, and I never say this. I just felt God saying, Josh, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) That's too nerdy. (laughs) But I kept hearing this, be still and know that I'm God. Be still and know that I'm God. There's a couple instances that the Be Still line comes up, and one of them uh, comes out of the Exodus story. So Genesis is sort of like the prologue to Exodus. We have a book that just sort of sets up the idea that these people are enslaved and that God is going to free them through Moses. So Exodus, the author of Exodus and Genesis, are likely the same. And so whoever wrote Genesis was to explain what happened in Exodus. It's a way for the Jewish people to be able to look back and see we, this is how we got to this place and this is how God has taken us from here and this is where he's taking us from now on. It's this incredible way because they're able to see, they know the outcome. It's like a giant spoiler alert the entire time. They know what's going to happen and yet when they look back, they're able to look back at their oppressed slave selves and able to look forward in freedom. They're able to see that with that kind of lens. So when Moses takes the Israelites out of uh, Egypt, it's the whole, you know, Ten Commandments, let my people go, uh, dramatic pause. Uh, they go through uh, the Red Sea, they get through, and once they get to the other side, or I'm sorry, they don't get through the Red Sea, this is when the Be Still part comes, uh, all of the, the Israelites are just freaking out on the bank of the Red Sea. They, they, they know that Pharaoh's army is behind them, they're paralyzed with fear, they don't know what they're doing, so like, just picture just a bunch of like cats let loose in some, like, random room and then you threw, like, a dog in there. Like, it was just craziness all over. These people were absolute mayhem. And Moses literally just says, be still and the Lord your God will fight for you. Be still and the Lord your God will fight for you. What an interesting thing to say when there's an army coming on the other side. If you just be still and rest, then God's going to enter the scene. He's not going to be in all this chaos you need to be still there's another instance where jesus is on a boat with his disciples there's a key theme with this body of water thing and they're in the they're in this boat and this huge storm hits and jesus is taking a nap in the hole because here's a man that understands how to rest so he's taking a nap in the hole and this huge storm hits and it's knocking the boat back and forth and back and forth and they, they're frantic. They think they're going to die in this storm. Again, body of water, death on the horizon. They wake up Jesus, and Jesus literally looks at the ocean and the waves and says, be still. And then turns to them and said, do you really think that I would have let that happen? For them, that be still line would have meant a lot because they would have remembered what Moses had said to all of their people. In, in Jesus' way of like, don't you understand I am faithful? Don't you get it? Throughout history... I've always been there. Be still. Literally, it means if we are still, that's what it's like to know God. Be still and know that I am God. It takes that rhythm of rest. It takes that time. Uh, Let's talk about the Israelites a little bit uh, more. So like I said, um, Genesis is a prologue to Exodus, which has this story in it of Moses taking these people out. What I want to do for us this morning is, it, let's place ourselves in the shoes of some of these Israelites. Um, we all know that if someone comes out of an abusive relationship, or something that's really hard, or just some major trauma, it's not like you can just go to freedom like that. right? It takes a while. It takes therapy, maybe. It takes like a lot of stuff to get you to the point where you can live freely again. And this is especially interesting when you're thinking about a group of people, who were just oppressed in slavery for generations by Pharaoh, who in their ancient context would have been a god, right? Pharaoh was, like, known as a god. So they're being enslaved by a god, and then a new god comes on the scene and says, hey, I'm going to free you from this slavery, but think of yourself in this position. You've seen generations of this. You only understand God as one thing, because that's really all that they were represented to back then. Gods carried spears. Gods caused plagues. Gods wiped people out. Gods created genocide. Gods condoned all of this stuff. Gods were these angry, awful beings that were just basically picking on these people. And oddly enough, a lot of us still think of our God like that. This is where it comes into faith, this restoration. right? We still kind of view a God with a magnifying glass and we are the ants a lot of the time. And it's especially hard in times like this to actually focus on the goodness of God because that question is just impossible to answer. Why is this stuff happening? Is God really good? That's what the Israelites are feeling like in this moment. Is this God safe? Is he actually good? And so God does this brilliant, brilliant thing where he goes, I know that these people are focused on this other God that they've encountered, this Pharaoh. There's nothing like me. And I need to convince them and show them that I am not like that and that I'm a God that is based in love. And he does one key thing that is different than Pharaoh. Pharaoh had them working every single day of the week. In fact, when Moses comes into the scene and says, you need to let my people go, God's commanded it, Pharaoh doubles down on the workload. They would have, they'd be making these bricks that they would then make, walls, pyramids, all this kind of different stuff out of, and they would be given straw at the beginning of the day to make these bricks. That was hard enough, right? But now, when Moses comes in and declares that they should be free, Pharaoh says, take away the straw. Make them go get their straw now. That just doubled their day. So they are working a double day, seven days a week. It's enough to, like, kill you. And when they come out of Israel, God does something really, really unique and interesting. It's something that we need to pay attention to, and it harkens back to the creation cycle of the six movements or six days, and on the seventh, you rest. He gives them back their humanity when he hands them a day of rest. He says, no, for this day, your job is not to survive, because that's not... What humanity is about. That's not what I'm about. I don't want you to just survive. I want you to thrive. I want you to understand what it is to really enjoy this life. And to do that, you can't keep going. So he creates this stuff called manna. And manna is this uh, literally, it, it rhymes with the Hebrew word for what is this? <laughs> Which is hilarious because then, I mean, that just means the Israelites like came out one day and they're like, what is this? Uh, and God explains Himself and He says, okay, listen, look. I know, like, they were actually complaining before this and saying, like, at least in Egypt, this is amazing, they were slaves, now they're free, and in this moment, because they're hungry, hangry, if you will, uh, they literally look at each other and they're like, at least in Egypt we were able to meet, like, eat three square meals a day. Like, we were gathered around, we could eat as much as we wanted to, and here there's no food. We should have died in Egypt. These are dramatic people. God says, look, I'm going to give you food I'm going to provide for you but only to the point, what's enough? What's enough for that day? I am an abundant God, and I'm going to give you what's enough. So he he puts manna out, which is this bread, and they would go and collect. And here are his instructions to Moses. He said, tell them to collect the manna six days out of the week. So every day for six days, they can collect, but they can't keep it overnight. They have to collect just enough for one day, and that's going to be for six days out of the week. And on the seventh day they're gonna see that on the sixth day there was enough for two days. And I wanna test them, I I want you to tell them to do this and see if they do it right. And for a while they do, they get to six days, they rest on the seventh and they see that on the seventh day there's always enough. Even though they're not out collecting, not out working, there's still enough and they're able to rest. And you know what they're able to do on that day? They're able to hang out, they're able to talk to each other, they're able to converse, they're able to be human again. Because in these moments, they're not just working towards something. What they're doing is they're taking time out where they're not worried about survival. They're just worried about each other. It creates space. But that only lasts so long because these people have been through an extremely traumatic event. And so they begin wondering, well, maybe God isn't going to always be there. How many of us have wondered that before? I don't don't know if God is always going to be this good. Like, this is a really good spell, but, like, I don't think God can always be this good. And so what they do is on the seventh day, they come out, and they start collecting, and God is like, no, 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 no. That's not what you do now. What you do is you rest. So he did something very brilliant, again, for these very dramatic people. He writes it down. <laughs> so he sends Moses onto a mountain, and he says, here are my, here are my ten rules for living. These are ten rules, and they're not meant to be scrutinized. They're, they're laws. What they're meant to do is to create an orderly, good system in which human beings can thrive. Some of them are very obvious, like do not murder. That's a good one to have written down, but I'm pretty sure that, like, we know that. But good, it's written down. Can we, can we have the Ten Commandments slide up there? Okay, so this is what blew my mind this week, uh, and I'm going to explain this, and this didn't get as nerdy as the last one. God didn't tell me to shut up, so I'm going to keep going on this. Um, We have 10 commandments, right? Uh, Let's look at the first three. It says, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make idols. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. So notice that those three are all about God, right? That's about what happens with God and us. Those are rules for us and God, how we're supposed to deal with God. Now we get to number four. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Number five, honor your father and your mother Six, you shall not murder. Seven, you shall not commit adultery. Eight, you shall not steal. Nine, you shall not bear fault witness against your neighbor. Got a little wordy there. Ten, you shall not covet. Now, what's really, really interesting about this is that five through ten, just like one through three, we're all about how we're supposed to deal with God and us, five through ten are all about how we're supposed to deal with each other. Honor your father and mother. So this is the human aspect. This is how you're supposed to get along with each other. So five through ten, us and us. One through three, us and God. And there's one black sheep in here, which is number four. And there's a reason that it is smack dab in the middle of these two things. And this, my friends, is why this rest thing is so important in these turbulent times. Because that law is a bridge that bridges the stuff that we're supposed to react to God with and the stuff that we're supposed to react to each other with. That commandment, keep the Sabbath day this day of rest, keep it holy, which is a very biblical way of saying don't let anybody mess with it, keep it holy and set apart, this commandment bridges the two. It's the single most cohesive commandment there is. Basically, if you get rid of this one, these could be two different lists, two different sets of commands, the three commandments and the five commandments, right? But with number four, we have a bridge. Because what God is saying is that this day that I want you to set apart, this day that I want you to rest and actually rest, not like try to achieve to rest, not like Instagram rest, but like actually rest, this day that is holy and set apart is what's going to bring these two together. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. You noticing the manna, our daily bread? Everything we need? Lead us not into temptation. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I truly tell you guys right now, if we are not resting, if we are not truly restoring, then we are not living in the kingdom as fully as we could. We have to take time out, and that's a that's really good news. (laughs) You guys need to take more breaks. (laughs) That's good news but it's really hard for us because a lot of us have built our lives in a certain way that we can't take that time. I understand that. Some of our schedules are so hectic, there's just no way. But I wanna challenge us as we move from the summer into the fall where things tend to cool down a little bit, rebuild some of those areas in your life. Take time to pray, take time to rest. And let me tell you, the most restful things are always the things that you really don't wanna do on your day off. spend 15 minutes in prayer, (laughs) go to church. All of that kind of stuff, that restorative stuff where you're spending time with God is going to make us better humans. And when we're better humans, we're better neighbors. And that concept of neighbor is so crazy. As we were in Europe and the stuff was happening over here, the people, all of a sudden we were like connoisseurs on America, like I knew everything. So they're like, can you believe what's going on? I was like, yeah, that's like 3,000 miles from where I live. but it was our problem, not their problem. And then when Barcelona hit and we're there, all of a sudden, it's their problem and we're in the midst of it and I realized, oh my God, like, this is what it means to have a neighbor. We're all neighbors. That, that word just literally means who you're in proximity with. And if we're called to love them, then we need to take time out to truly become better people because honestly, we can do better than all of this. Jesus is real, that savior thing is real, and that is good, life-changing news, and there's just no excuse for what's going on in the world if there's a light that's shining that bright. But we have to rest. We have to allow those two to come together. But to do that, we need to literally build our lives the right way. About a year and a half, two years ago, uh, Chelsea and I needed a new table and uh, we have this very small one-bedroom apartment, and it's a very small little space, and everything that we were looking at was a little too big or a little too small, and money was really tight for us at this point, and so I said, hey, why don't I build a table? Terrible idea, I've never built anything in my life. Uh, Luckily, I have a friend, Sean, who's very good and handy, and so I call up Sean, and I'm like, hey, would you help me build this table? and Sean is normally very good and handy, so we go to Home Depot, we get all this stuff, and we're, we're ready to go. I've measured it exactly uh, in the right like, specifications to fit in this little groove, and it'll have the space for the chairs, everything's gonna be great. We get there, we get all of the equipment, we're building it, uh, we're also drinking beer at this point, and so uh, we build the entire table, I come back to it the next day, and the table is completely wrong. <laughs> like completely off, in so many different ways. There's like one two by four going this way, There's, like, just so much is wrong with this table. And I realized, oh no, I'm going to have to do this alone and I'm going to have to rebuild this whole table. So I did the hard work of pulling apart all the boards, repositioning everything, kind of Googling everything as I went, having to go and get tools I didn't even own. All of this stuff is happening and I'm rebuilding this space in my home that's going to be for rest. And as I look at what we're going into in the fall, I think that is a perfect picture of how we need to rearrange our lives. Some of us, have just built things in the wrong way and we need to pull that stuff apart and that's hard work and we might not be completely prepared for that but we have to pull things apart, put them back together and build in the space for where we're going to rest. If we do that guys, like just awesome awesome stuff is going to happen. Uh, let me pray and then we're going to take communion. Uh, Lord I'm so grateful uh, that you build in times of rest in our lives and in our world, and and you make that a priority. And we lost a band member. Uh, God, I'm also just so grateful for the fact that uh, we get to use spaces like this uh, as places of rest, as instruments of peace, as we were talking about before. I pray that we could start our weeks off in this place, coming together, doing the awesome responsibility of resting together, getting to know each other better, and becoming better humans. Uh, And I pray as we approach the communion table today, we could remember what you've done, uh, and how you're constantly constantly restoring and making everything new. Amen. So if you guys want to stand, um, and the front row can come up, you can just uh, take a big piece of challah and dip it in there and eat. Um, This is a perfect picture of how we're supposed to rest. There's a reason we use challah. And not, I mean, I'm sorry for the gluten-free people and not these wimpy little crackers. <laughs> the challah is to represent God's abundance. Break off as big of a piece as you believe God's love is for you and dip it in there. That's the whole point behind rest is to rest in the fact that there's abundance in God and that this is not a scarce meal over here. This is a big one. Uh, so come, grab a big piece of challah, dip it in the wine or the grape juice, experience communion. And if you would like to be generous this morning, this is your space to do that as well as to drop any communication that you'd like to on those uh, community cards. So that's prayer requests, comments, uh, concerns about my table building uh, abilities, all of that can go in here. So um, yeah, they're going to sing and we can come forward.